0: For those of us who have encountered the supernatural, we are forever changed by these haunting experiences. We carry a little more weight, we endure a lot more shame, and we never do quite sleep the same. They say seeing is believing and for those who have never had a first-hand run-in with the supernatural. Allow our stories to show you why you should be thankful you never have. But be warned, because like ours, your visitors might arrive when you least expect them. I'm Jacob Granato, and this is my family's ghost story. For the most part, I would say that the first half of my life was pretty normal. I grew up in a decent neighborhood in San Bernardino, in our small little house on Crescent Street. It was actually one of the closest houses to my elementary school growing up, too. And our neighborhood was the best. Most of the neighbors had kids who were around our age. Uh, I had my brother Jared, who's only a year younger than me. And we easily spent half of our lives outside. Either we were racing down the steep inclines of our street in wagons and scooters or climbing the creepy neighbor's tree and jumping off when he got home, which I actually still have a scar on my back from, or transforming plain cardboard boxes into our own personal computers by drawing screens and keyboards on them and Sharpie marker. My childhood was definitely fueled by imagination. And speaking of imagination, we used to live right next to this, I guess it's a basin. We used to call it the wash and it was essentially just a giant concrete dam, but it led to this wide open muddy area between our houses and the mountains. We definitely weren't allowed to go back there, but the one or two times that we snuck off and did, I swear we almost died because even to this day, I believe that we were caught in quicksand. I mean, it was probably just mud, but you know, to be a kid, you're like, we're in quicksand. So we even had to like rescue each other with branches and shovels and stuff. It was all the drama. Oh, and speaking of quicksand, my other favorite pastime was reenacting movie scenes from my favorite movie as a child. Jumanji, like we had the board game and I would only play if we put the cards in order of how they played out in the movie. And I would make whoever was playing with me, AKA my brother, Jared, act every thing out, every part of the movie, like hitting the mosquitoes with imaginary tennis rackets and all of it. Looking back at it now, I was definitely so annoying. I mean, I still am annoying and I still make people play games with me. But when I got older and American Idol was the show to watch, I also took to singing and then I would make my brother and my neighborhood friends participate in these talent shows where we would lip sync to our now CDs or now that's what I call music CDs. When I reflect on these years of my childhood, I genuinely feel nothing but joy and nostalgia. My mom always talks about how little we had back then but I don't see it that way. Because maybe we didn't have a lot, but we had everything that we needed, and most importantly, we had a ton of love. My mom was a stay-at-home mom for the first part of my childhood, but she was as involved in our school as the school possibly let her be. And my dad was our coach every single year in Little League, And together, they always made every single holiday, every occasion a priority, and we were happy. But most importantly, we were safe. I was shielded from the outside world. My parents did a really good job at fostering our innocence for as long as they possibly could. I mean, I probably believed in Santa Claus until I was 12. Honestly, it's not a joke. So yes, we were safe, never feeling threatened or in danger until that was all taken from us. I will never forget the very first time that I experienced something supernatural. I must have been 10 or 11 years old, maybe, and I was staying the night at my grandma Connie's house we loved staying the night there when we were younger because our cousins also lived there but for some reason this time they weren't there and neither was my brother it was just me so it's morning now it must have been like 11 in the morning and at the time my great grandma gloria uh my grandma connie's mom who we called nana was still alive and grandma connie would pick my nana up on certain days of the week and bring her over to her house so she could take care of her and spend time with her. By this time, my nana couldn't walk on her own. She used this metal walker to get around. So this morning, it's just me, my grandma Connie, and my nana. I'm sitting at the kitchen counter, eating cocoa pebbles, and it's it's funny how little details like this will stick with you. Anyways, I'm watching TV, although don't ask me what I was watching, because I couldn't tell you that. You have a pretty good view of the TV if you're sitting at the kitchen counter at my grandma's house and just past the TV a little bit to the left and maybe five feet back is the door to the bathroom. If the bathroom door is open you actually have a pretty clear shot of the toilet itself from the kitchen and it's hilarious because now I have so many cousins running around that when I'm over at my grandma's house, if I glance over and the door is open, it's normal for me to see a two-year-old just naked sitting on the pot. But anyway, I'm watching whatever is on TV and I see my grandma Connie help my nana into the restroom. Nana had one of those high seats that you moved above the toilet so that it was easier for her to go. But still, she always needed my grandma's help, specifically to get up off of the toilet. About a minute later, my grandma Connie walks out of the restroom, closes the door behind her, and says, Miho, I'm gonna go put away the laundry in my room. If Nana calls for me, come get me. And she walks upstairs to her bedroom, and then I get back to my cocoa pebbles. And I keep watching TV, but I'm really only half paying attention because I'm waiting for my Nana to call my grandma any second. So it must have been a good three minutes later and my nana actually walks out of the restroom on her own. Like I said, when you're watching TV, you've got a clear shot of the bathroom door. So I'm watching her now as she's literally using her walker to very slowly walk from the restroom, past the TV, past the living room, where she makes a right and walks completely out of my sight towards the stairs, towards my grandma's room. Whatever's on TV, sadly, I'm paying way more attention to it than to my Nana. And I mean, she's moving so slowly. What am I supposed to do? Watch her every step. And so when she turns the corner to go towards the stairs, it really didn't even register at all to me that she had done all of this until my grandma Connie runs down the stairs. She's kind of like surprised when she looks at me and she's like, Nana didn't call for me. And I say... No, but I, she got up on her own a few minutes ago. And my grandma's face just turns skeptical, like I'm playing a trick on her or something. And she's like, what do you mean? Nana can't get up on her own. And I'm like, yeah, she did, though. I saw her. She's She walked over there. And I'm motioning towards the stairs. My grandma walks over to the stairs, searching for my Nana, and she's calling out her name. She's like, Mom, Mom. And now almost panicked, my grandma runs back over to the restroom door, and it's closed she knocks on it and she's like mom are you in there and she opens the door and my nana is still sitting there on the toilet some years later and i'm much older now i walk into this conversation where some of my family members my grandma included were talking just nonchalantly about how this spirit of an old woman has been haunting their house and how they've all seen her at different times And then it all came back to me. An old woman. The old woman that I saw that morning. Using a walker to get around. Moving so slowly. Who I thought was my nana. But I had never actually seen her face. With the same slowness that my nana had. But it wasn't her. So that was my very first experience with anything like that. But unfortunately not my last. So now I'm in the fourth grade, still living in our little house in San Bernardino, and my mom asked to go and get pregnant. (laughs) Just kidding, but she really did. One year on Christmas Eve, Jared and I opened a gift for my parents that was a framed ultrasound picture. I can't even imagine the disappointment that they must have felt at our reactions because we were expecting some rare Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh card, and instead we get this announcement that we were going to have a baby brother, my sweet, sweet brother Jason. And then not long after that, my mom and dad decided, well, Jason needs his best friend for life too, and my mom gets pregnant with her fourth and final, hopefully final, child and I think that's what really sealed it for us. We needed a bigger space and in a nicer area, so we moved to this castle of a house in Redlands. At least that's what it felt like to us kids. It's this two-story, five-bedroom track home that my parents actually still live in, but it was all ours because we were the very first family ever to live inside that home. Or so we thought. My mom actually went into labor on the first night that we had actually slept in the home, and she brought back with her our youngest brother, Justin, and then our new normal began. We got our own rooms for the very first time. We made new neighborhood friends, found new hobbies, and Jared and I braved our new schools together. I jumped straight into junior high, and Jared was still in elementary school. Then, I had my first encounter in our new home. I was in middle school, so either sixth or seventh grade, and I was home alone and doing my homework like a good student. I was always a good student. I used to have this really cool loft bed, like. It's a bunk bed, but with a desk underneath. And when I was sitting at the desk, my back was to the door and outside my door is the hallway. It's kind of hard to envision it, but basically if you walk up the stairs and you face the right, there's a hallway. And at the very end of the hallway, if you make a sharp left, there's my room. So you can't see my bedroom door from the beginning of the hallway and you can't see the hallway from my room so on this day i'm in my room doing my homework on my cool new desk listening to my ipod nano headphones in the window is open my bedroom door is open the sun is shining in and then i get this strange gut feeling like i think to myself i'm alone Uh, probably not the best idea to have your headphones in your ears at full volume right now But I mean, what's the worst that can happen? It's the middle of the day. So I keep them in and I try and finish my homework, but something is just eating at me. And now I can't concentrate on my math. So whatever, I'll give in and I take the headphones out and the music's over. Probably 10 minutes after I take my headphones out, I hear something. that was weird maybe my family came home and I didn't hear them when they came in because I had my headphones in whatever I get back to my schoolwork and then a few seconds later I hear something coming from right outside my bedroom door which is open in the hallway where I can't see I hear footsteps pacing through the carpet Specifically, I hear two sets of footprints, each one of them making their own movement and each one getting faster and faster. I freeze. There are people in our house, people that are not my family and I'm alone here. I'm gonna die. I don't want them, whoever they are, to know that I'm home so I know I've got to hide but my door is wide open and there's literally nowhere in my room besides my closet to hide but the closet doors are huge heavy mirrors so they'll hear them if I open them. And since I don't have a lock in my door, I can't lock myself in here for safety. This is all going through my head very quickly at the time so I don't know what to do. I grab my cell phone and I tiptoe heart pounding in my chest towards my bedroom door preparing to see the face or faces of whoever is in our house, but I'm too afraid to look. As I get closer to the door, I can still hear them moving through the carpet in the hallway, then they start whispering to each other, one man and one woman that's it. I'm dead. They heard me. They know that I'm here. Whatever they're saying to each other, they sound like they're arguing and they sound frantic. I can't take it anymore. I've got to get that door closed. So I slam the door shut. I sit quickly on the ground and I press my back against the door while pushing against the wall with my feet and all of my strength. I can still hear them as I'm dialing my mom's cell phone number. And when she answers, I tell them someone's in the house. She asked how I knew and I told them, because I hear them in the hallway, they're whispering to each other and they're walking through the carpet, where are you guys? They tell me to go out and check, but no, I I refuse to leave my room. I think they realized the magnitude of what was possibly happening and since they were still a ways away, they called our neighbor who lived across the street and had a key to our house to come and check things out. I'm gonna call her Patrice. I'm crying hysterically at this point, unsure of what's going to happen to me or what the man and the woman are doing inside my house, but then I hear Patrice unlock the front door and come inside. I don't know if it was just the relief in my mind that someone was coming to my rescue, but the sounds seemed to just go away. Jake? She calls out for me, but I don't leave my room. Then I hear her opening doors throughout the house, and now I'm paranoid something might happen to Patrice. Then she finally gets to my room. I let my back off of the door, and she comes in and tells me, there's nobody here. Everything is locked. Your window is the only window open in the whole house. But being a decent human being, she knew that I was too shaken up to be alone, so she let me go across the street and stay in her house until my family got home. And I just remember feeling embarrassed because clearly nobody had been in our home and I was too old now to cry like this. I must've just made it up, but how? It was all so real. I, no, I, I didn't make any of it up. Then I think we just all kind of put it behind us and moved on with our lives in our new home. After all, I was the only one who had experienced it and the idea of our brand new house being haunted was just so out of the realm of possibility. That was long before we ever realized that the supernatural doesn't follow some rule book. A few years went by I started high school and my two youngest brothers had just started elementary school and all of this time, except for you know, the occasional light turning on or off unexpectedly or some creaks and thumps around the house, no big deal, nothing seemed like too out of the ordinary. But actually, I take that back because I was also seeing shadows at this time. One time specifically, I was showering when I was home alone, and that's another thing. Most of my parents, my brothers, and my experiences happened when we were alone in the house. Anyways, I always used to shut and lock the door when I showered, especially if I was home alone, just in case, you know, I had a repeat of that one day. And as I'm showering, I see through the frosted glass a shadow that looks like it's getting closer and closer to the shower door. And then I muster up enough courage to slide it open and look outside, but nobody's there. But the bathroom door is now completely pushed all the way open. The more these smaller things kept happening, the more we started to realize that maybe something wasn't right. And then the thumps and the other noises started becoming a little bit scarier. Like they felt intentional. It felt like the more we paid attention to them, the more we became scared of them. And the more we became scared of them, the worse it got. Like whatever it was, was just feeding off of our fears. I never kept any written record of all the things that happened in that house, but I wish that I had, because if you ask anyone who's experienced anything like this, you'll find there are huge gaps in our stories. And maybe that's because we're repressing them and we don't want to remember. Or maybe it's because we only have the capacity to carry the biggest and scariest events. Whatever the reason, I could have a lobotomy today and tomorrow, I would still remember all of the next scariest events that took place in our house in extensive detail because of just how traumatic they were to me and to the rest of my family. I sometimes wonder if Mom and Dad had known what we were going to experience, if they still would have taken that house. Or would he still have found us no matter where we went? Thank you for listening. Don't forget to tune in next time to get the next slice of my family's ghost story, where I'll tell you just who we believe brought the ghost into our home and why he chose to stay. You'll even hear from both of my parents, one of whom saw him first. If you or anyone you know has an encounter story with the supernatural, please don't hesitate to reach out to us on Instagram at Crackpop Network. We would love to feature your story. And I will return next Monday with a new Crackpop episode, one that centers around another American family, only this family is less haunted, entirely fictional, but might hold the answers to society's most burning questions. See you soon.